G'day, welcome to another edition of Power Hour with Sow Hour. This is where we catch up with some of the biggest names in rugby league. Today I catch up with 2004 Premiership winner, Andrew Ryan. Andrew Ryan joins us on his way up to Newcastle. Thanks for taking the time out, Bobcat. Uh, we really appreciate it. No, no worries. Great to have a chat. Well, let's get straight into it, mate. What have you made of this year? Who's going to win the title? Oh, look, I think um, oh, the Roosters, I think, are their best. They're just so good to watch, the skill level. Um, yeah, they're just, they've got threats right across the park, but... Um, yeah, we're in for a massive finish to the season, I know that. I had a funny feeling you'd say the Roosters, so I want to take you back to that last play in the 2004 Grand Final. Brett Finch throws a pass to Michael Crocker, and you just put an arm out to come up with a big play. What was going through your head then, and, and how did you come up with that play, and then straight after it, you're the champs? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a bit, bit bizarre, I guess. It was a bloody unbelievable ball um, that they threw. Just watching back, um, you know, seeing it over the years. But um, yeah, I guess I, I don't know what I was. I, I was thinking I was tired at the time. I know that they'd been bombarding us the whole second half, pretty much. We had that much defence to do in our goal line, and um, yeah, I guess I just sort of tucked in a little bit and managed to just get a little bit on him. And, and all of a sudden, the hooter went, and um, we won the grand final. So it was just unbelievable feeling. How special was that side, Bobcat? Because so many household names. I mean, you talk about El Masri, Willie Mason, Brent Sherwin was at the top of his game then. And you had, you know, the other guys as well. But it was really a great team, wasn't it? Do you feel like that you probably should have won more than one title with that team? Yeah, look, I suppose you, you look at the bench that we had around that time, you know, guys like Brandy Matura and Roy Asatasi, Sonny Bill Williams, and then, you know, Jonathan Thurston comes in as 18th man in off the bench and I guess that just goes to show how good that team was but you know some of the blokes I was lucky enough to play alongside you mentioned those guys but you know Marco Mealy in the middle of the park my goodness just a, an absolute wrecking ball um, Was that the best forward pack you, in terms of that you've seen? I mean you talk about Sonny Bill Williams I think debuted in the centres that year but the, the best all round forward pack don't forget you played without Steve Price as well yeah, mate, I guess it was, we had that mix at, around that time of, you know, guys like Pricey, who was obviously a little bit bit older, and then young guys bursting on the scene, like those guys that we just mentioned. So, um, and then you, you throw guys in the mix around that, that time as well. Guys like Nate Miles had played, played around those teams as well, sort of they were coming through the, the grades as well. So it was, um, yeah, it was a pretty good, pretty good place to be a part of with that many players around um, as far as winning comps mate you know how hard it is to win a comp so uh, look we got we got pretty close there a couple of years later um, when the Bronx ended up winning as far as you know we had a, a really good season um, but yeah and, and you know I wasn't a part of the 2002 side as well so that you know obviously their points got taken off from there but um, yeah it was a very special group to be a part of I think back to, to, to title defence and, and you brought up the Roosters and you know I think that they're the best chance. I thought Melbourne were a great chance last year to do it back-to-back, -back, but the Roosters this year, it is hard, isn't it? Because you get everyone's best game and it, there's some games where you don't even know how you're going to play because you just had everyone's best game for so long. It takes its toll when you're defending champs, doesn't it? 
oh, you're spot on, mate. Every every team's coming to get you. And that's what makes these two teams, you know, you talk about Melbourne and you talk about the Roosters. For me, that's what makes the, these, these two teams so special because, you know, they're, they're the top few teams every year and, and you know you have to be on against those types of teams and they just can continue to produce the goods. And... And it doesn't matter the calibre of players they lose or bring in, they, they still just go out there and do their job. It's, it's, they're pretty special, those, those couple of teams um, that you talk about. Let's talk about something else. How, how did you get your name, Bobcat? Oh, look, it's, it's, not, it's not the greatest of stories, but I got a back playing Jersey Flag back when I was at Parramatta when I first moved down from Dubbo. And a mate of mine, he was from Dubbo in the team as well, and we were doing tape of a game one day, and he just said... Um, you're fat and square and slow. You look like a bobcat. And then they said, they said that I also look like the animal as well with squinty eyes and a furry forehead. So it was a, it was a good rap. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's not a bad story, to be honest. Uh, you, you mentioned Parramatta. You made your debut there. Why did you leave the club? Or was that forced upon you? Um, at the time, yeah, they sort of offered me a one-year deal around that time. And I was sort of 23 and... Canterbury, who were one of the best teams in the comp, offered me a three-year deal, and it was just a no-brainer at, at the time. It wasn't, it wasn't money or anything like that. It was just dead set security of having three years versus one year. But um, you know, I was lucky enough to come through with guys like Nathan Kalis and Nathan Imarsh, Ian Imarsh, Mick Vella. You know, so we were hoping that I could have stayed and played with those guys for a long time. But um, yeah, it was as it turns out, obviously the, the best thing I've, I've ever done being able to move to Canterbury. The names you've mentioned already, so you played with Vela, both the high marshes, Steve Price, Mason, Asatasi. Who's the best that you've played alongside? Oh, far out. Um, mate, I, I guess um, oh, yeah, I've played with some special players. You know, I think of guys like Danny Badiris, Craig Fitzgibbon, um, Andrew Johns. Andrew Johns is probably the most complete player of I've never been involved in a better training session. We um, it was game two in Origin in 2005, and Joey came back into the side. And I remember we trained at the, the Army Barracks at Ramwick, and it was unbelievable. Like just uh, his talk, his kicking game, his everything that he did. I've never been more confident going into a game uh, with a guy like that in your team. Bobcat, talk to us about that 2005 training session. I mean, it's in folklore because most players have heard about how good that training session was. You're down 1-0 on the series. What made it... I mean, you said it was perfect, but did you get a sense that that was going to happen? Was Joey always like this, or was it the backs-against-the-wall mentality that kicked it off? Oh, I think it was It was mainly that, that backs-against-the-wall. We're 1-0 down. You know, he, he comes back from injury, um, and... Yeah, we still had a, a very good side anyway, but to throw a guy like Andrew Johns in there, um, yeah, I've never ever, I've never trained like that. I've never walked into a game feeling sort of like that. And he just, him and him and Betsy just, and, and Anthony Minicello was fullback. They just, they just had it on a string that day, and, and we turned on the points and then went up to Brizzy to win game three and, and take out the series. Game three, I think, was the game where you defended your line for six or seven minutes. Minicello breaks the line open and goes the length of the field. That's been shown uh, in camping sessions that I've been in. Ricky Stewart showed it us in 2011. 
I mean, take us back to that moment because the game's on the line. You defend for six or seven minutes and then you, your match winner, one of your match winners, comes up with a huge play. Oh, well, mate, Anthony Minicello, you know, the, probably the best player in the world around that time. and Golden but, boot winner that that year, I think. Yeah, and, you know, the, the defence and, and big games, the, the, uh, one on defence and, you know, the boys that just kept just kept tying in for each other, just kept working for each other um, and, and holding, repelling Queensland out time and time again. And then to see, you know, someone like him break away and, and do that, it's... It just released the pressure, released the pressure valve, and um, yeah. And then um, I guess we were lucky enough to go on and, and, and win the series up there in Brisbane in front of a, a massive crowd. You're a kid from the country. You come from Dubbo. What was the the one thing that Andrew Ryan didn't like about city life that he always wished he could, you know, bring a bit of country to the city? Oh, mate, I found I found everything <laughs> everything overwhelming at this at the start. The first couple of years, it was traffic, it was training, it was I, I was I was just out of my depth. I, I'd never even made Group Eleven Dubbo rep side, so here I am rocking up to Parramatta training with six or seven Australian schoolboys. I just felt like I was I, I just felt like I was making up the numbers. So everything was was foreign and and um, scary for me at the time but it took a couple of years to adjust and sort of got a little bit used to the footy I guess And um, but there was a time in my career I'd sort of been down in Sydney two years and I pretty much made a decision to move home um, Peter Sharp who was the reserve grade coach at the time basically picked me up at a, at a bus stop because I'd written off my car and he said mate what are you doing next year and I said oh I'm out, I'm moving home sort of I'm done, and he said, "Oh, have you thought about giving it another crack?" And then, basically, went home that night to, and made a decision to either move back home to Dubbo, finish off my landscaping apprenticeship, and get on with life, or give it sort of another a crack. And then I made it into the reserve grade side the next year, and then sort of made my first grade debut after that, and hung around for a little while. So, did you um, win? You I, won that premiership with the Parramatta First Division side, was that right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we won that one, and then sort of, I, I basically just got a train and trial with first grade that next year, and, and made my my debut in round two, and then um, yeah, hung around for another sort of. Well, I'm still hanging around, so they can't <laughs> take me yet. You made your debut against the Brisbane Broncos. What was that like, knowing that? I mean, everyone, I reckon every footballer has had a stage in their career, whether they come from the bush or that they've just wanted to give up, but something keeps them, something happens that keeps them in the game. You spoke about Peter Sharp and that story. You make your debut. Did it sink in that, not that you'd made it, but that, that it could have gone either way? That was your sliding doors moment? Oh, I'll tell you what, I was sitting on the bench watching that Brisbane Broncos side. They won the combat. That year it was unlimited interchange. They had like Gordon Tallis, Brad Thorne, um, Petro, Lockyer, yeah, um, yeah, Lockyer, Wendell, Petro. I actually did not want to go on the field that day. I was going, <laughs> I was dead set going. This, I don't know if I'm made out for this. I dead set wanted to run away and hide, but um, sort of went out there and um, yeah, can't remember too much of it. But just, I uh, just remember being overwhelmed and relieved that I was in shock really as well that I'd actually played NRL it still still spun me out and it still does I reckon So that spins you out and fast forward to 2001 now I'm actually at the grand final as a, a young tacker um, that first half is just, you spoke about Joey's training around in 05 
it was a perfect half of football, but you almost pull off the comeback. What was that like to lose one comparing to winning to winning one? Obviously the, the main differences, but what did you learn from that experience with Parramatta that you're able to translate into a win in 04? Yeah, well, I do. I sort of come off the bench that day. We were 24 nil down, so um, I've never watched it back, obviously. But um, learnings out of that day, I guess. I guess as a young bloke, we sort of. I don't know. It just. It just. It just happened, and I guess you played semi-finals and a grand final straight away. Um, I don't know. If, I reckon if I had a loss like that later on in my career, I reckon it would have hurt me even more. But. Um, the learnings out of going into two two oh four, I I just remember us having this this mentality in the week just to enjoy the whole week, and I specifically remember myself. I, I didn't enjoy grand final week in oh one, whether or not I was young, I was nervous, it was all that. I, I still remember laying around waiting for the game to come in oh one. It felt like it was waiting bloody thirty hours on the day, just laying there waiting for it to come. And in oh four, I just players got a little bit of a routine and just wanted to enjoy the whole experience, enjoy the grand final brekkie they had, enjoy all the fans, everything about it, you know, and um, yeah, so it was, it was a real different experience in that sense. Yeah, you're right. Grand final week goes so quickly and I think I, ha- I only played in one, but 09 when we went out the back door, I felt like you did in, in 01, you know. I felt like I was waiting for games to come, whereas when you make it and you've been to that sort of high level and you lose a big game, the next time around you seem to be relaxed a little bit more and, you know, you guys win in 04. I want to go back to now. Life after footy for Andrew Ryan. You've done work as an NRL welfare officer. Uh, you do education as well. How much have you wanted to do that throughout your career uh, to be able to help players after footy? Yeah, look, it's um, it's something that I, I love doing. You know, I, I owe basically everything to, to footy in that sense. You know, I work in, in NRL transition now, trying to help the boys into life after footy. It's only a pretty new role as well. So, um, you know, I get guess I get to... And I've got another batch coming next week. We've got a, a crew of sort of 25 guys either finishing up or departing overseas. And just to be able to be there and try and give few of us give them any sort of advice to help with that transition and, and help them get some contacts or build a network up for life after footy. It's something that I'm really fortunate. You know, I had people that went above and beyond to help me in, in life after football and, um, yeah, hopefully we can we can help the, the next batch come through as well and um, yeah, really fortunate. Live in Newcastle these days, been up there for about five years now, so um, yeah, and and get to sort of go around basically all over the country and try and keep that connection going with recently retired players. So extremely fortunate. That's not the only thing you're doing in Newcastle. You've dabbled in coaching. Your assistant coach, now Ben Cross is moving up there to help Anthony Seabold. You you coached this year. How did the team go? We uh, we finished... We talk about sliding out the back back door. We uh, we finished second in the regular season and, um, yeah, I'd, I'd... Sort of had a little bit of a crack. I've been helping Marco Mealy with the New South Wales uh, lower grades the last couple of years and been sort of around a little bit, but that opportunity came up to coach up there this year. And, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's been – they're a great bunch up there, the South Newcastle Club. And, um, unfortunately, the season didn't end up that great for us. We sort of lost both our semis and had to watch the rest unfold. But, um, yeah, really really enjoyed it Uh, and – 
and, and going to go around again next year. So um, my two boys play juniors for Souths up there as well. So it's a, it's a fantastic club and very, very happy to be involved. Take me into the sheds. What was What's Andrew Ryan like as a coach? Because I, I, I can imagine you being pretty reserved, but, you know, has anyone copped a spray yet? A, a Craig Bellamy type spray? <laughs> Oh, I don't, don't know if I've got a Craig Bellamy type spray in me. Um, I'm, yeah, I'd sort of try and try and keep it together most of the times. Um, yeah, there's there might have been one occasion where I got a little bit little bit of frustration, maybe boiled over at half time. But um, <laughs> I'm not too much of a ranter and raver, I suppose. But um, who knows? The longer it goes on, the more the more angry and bitter I may get. But um, at the moment, I've been able to sort of hold it together. I, I, uh, I get more challenges, I think, with my under sevens and my under tens teams that they just give it to me. So, <laughs> yeah, they're all uh, they're all on PS4 and stuff these days, so it's hard to translate sometimes. Uh, I want to finish off a little bit of um, reminiscence. Your, your best game and your worst game. When was your best game? Uh, my best game. I actually got dropped from game three in the Origin uh, in two thousand four. Yep, and. Um, that was Freddie's last year? It was, yep. Yeah. So Freddie came, came in for game three. Um, and we went to Brookie, and I actually um, I actually jagged a hat-trick that day. It was my dad's birthday. I still remember it. And um, it was just, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Just everything sort of seemed to come off on that one day. Scored sort of two tries in the first ten minutes of the game. And, um, yeah, I don't know, don't know what happened. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, worst game, geez, I'd have a fair few to pick from. I'd, oh, say, um, <laughs> I'd, I'd say the uh, I'd say the O one game was probably up there. I, I don't remember contributing too much. Uh, and then yeah, worst game, geez, um, mate. Oh eight, we we unfortunately came last at the Bulldogs in 08, and I was skipper that year and. Um, yeah, I remember missing a few tackles that we played the Raiders and they did set put 50 on us and uh, we just got absolutely terrorised on my edge and I missed tackles for tries and I, I distinctly remember going home that night and just reflecting on the lounge, maybe swirling a couple of red wines and just going, <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing? I had a lot more nights like, like that, don't oh, worry. Uh, what was your first car? First car, I had a, I had a Mitsubishi Sigma cruising around the streets in Dubbo. What colour was it? It was a white, and it had some had some no fear stickers on the side. <laughs> That's outstanding. <laughs> I'll finish on this. Who's the one player uh, in today's NRL that reminds you most of yourself? Oh well, jeez, um, that's hard. Um, how do you answer that? Um, Just say like a work. I mean, John Bateman, that sort of same edge back rower. I don't know if you had the skill of his kicking game, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely don't have that. Um, I'd say I'd say someone, I guess if, if there was a player that I would, playing today that I would want to try and be like, it would be Josh Jackson. Right. Yeah, I love him as a player, so, yeah, probably. Probably say, he's, if I can answer it that way, probably Josh Jackson. No worries. Thanks very much, Andrew Ryan, for spending some time on Power Hour Sour. Thank you very much for having me, mate. 
Thanks for joining us on Pow Hour with Sow Hour. Make sure you jump on, rate, review and subscribe. We'll see you next week.